You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. All right, we're talking about walking in humility tonight. Walking in humility. And this is something that, it's a tricky subject. Let me put it that way. Because the minute that you think that you have humility, you don't have it anymore. It's one of those tricky things. The minute that you say, well, I'm a pretty humble person, you have lost the humility in a sense. So, uh, unless you're Moses, right? I mean, Moses is the guy, he wrote that famous verse, and Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, you know? He could get away with it because he was divinely inspired, but when you and I say it, it just doesn't sound right, you know? We just come across as prideful. But when we're talking about humility, the opposite of that is going to be pride. We're going to see a picture in the text tonight of some very prideful people. Um, and they're going to be a reflection for us of, of pride in our own lives. Okay, Something that we want to look for in ourselves. This is also something, though, that we should be looking for in leaders and, and those that are, uh, especially those that are leaders within the church. We want to make sure that, that, that this, these signs of pride don't mark the lives of those that are leaders within the church. But it's not just leaders. It trickles all the way down to you and to, to myself. Well, to all of us, really, but especially the Christian life. You see, so many Christians don't realize that pride can be a more serious sin than, than, than any other sin out there. Because it really does so much damage in your relationships with other people. And, and first and foremost, it does damage in your relationship with your heavenly Father. So we got to remember that. But I want to share a couple of sayings about pride very quickly with you. The first one is that says that a life that is wrapped up in itself makes a very small package. Lives that are wrapped up in themselves, they're very small packages. And, and guys, I, I want you to, to remember these and just as we go through these, really, really use these as, as an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and our lives. Secondly, pride is like a beard. It, it just keeps growing, right? What's the solution? Shave it every day, okay? That's for you men out there, okay? But... The third one is that pride is, only, is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it, right? So it, that's so true, you know? I, I, I've been the guy, and sometimes I am the guy who's so prideful, it makes people sick. I, I remember a time when I was, you know, growing up, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, and we had a bunch of kids over at our house for a birthday party, and, and uh, we were playing this game. It was uh, called freeze tag. You know, when you get tagged, you, you freeze or whatever. And I, I, I boasted before we started the game. I said, no one, and I mean no one, is going to tag me. And we played for a while, and I was doing really well. No one had gotten me. And so we took a break, we, were, we went in the house and got cupcakes or whatever, and we were singing, and then we came back out, and we were going to play again, and I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this, no one here is able to tag me, I am so good at this game, none of you can even touch me. 
So we started playing again, and, and I'll never forget, there was this eight, eighth grade girl there named Becky, and she tagged me. And I was devastated from that moment. But I, I was that kid. I was so prideful. I was making everybody sick. They didn't even want to be around me, these other kids. They, they, I think they ganged up against me, and you know they chased me into the corner, and then Becky tagged me, and it was over, you know. But I was just the beginning of, you know, a lot of this long walk that the Lord has me on of learning humility. I'm still trying to learn humility today. But learning to walk in humility is kind of the point in this passage that we're looking at tonight. Paul's going to use satire in verses 12 through 18 to point out foolishness of these false teachers that are accusing him in the Corinthian church. And satire is simply a literary style. It's a way of writing that exposes human vices and human irrationalities in kind of a funny way, but it's, it's also meant to ridicule them. It exposes them and, and it's, it's meant to put, you know, to, to expose it for what it is in kind of a funny or a witty way. And that's what Paul's doing in verses 12 through 18. He's really heavy on the satire here. Because there were apparently several irrationalities that were happening uh, in the Corinthian church, especially with these false teachers. For one, they were very prideful. They, they very arrogantly considered themselves to be better than Paul in every way. And not only were they prideful, they were also subtly deceitful. Yeah, they were good teachers, but they were deceiving the, the Corinthian congregation. Bragging about themselves as if they were the reason for the Corinthian church's success. And, and that's something else that marks false teachers, guys. These, the pride and the deceit, they go hand in hand when it comes to false teaching. This must have been a really painful pill for Paul to swallow because he was the one who was responsible for starting that church and the growth of that Corinthian church, it must have pained him to see how easily they came under the sway of these prideful, deceitful, false teachers. So Paul's going to continue his response to them here in chapter 10. He's taking the opportunity to make the point that a true man of God or a, a true woman of God is going to walk in humility, not in arrogance, not in pride. He's going to make five different points about walking in humility as he finishes up this section, aiming this at the false apostles. But we would do well, as I said before, to take note and to learn of them as well, applying them to us personally. Number one, Paul makes the point that we shouldn't compare ourselves to others. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. We read, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Did you count how many times the word themselves is in there? Hey, these guys are all about self. They're all about themselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, in the New Living Translation says this. It's on the screen for you. I, I like this translation. It says, oh, don't worry. Notice the, 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 the satire here. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we're as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant, Paul says. 
I really think the New Living Translation captures the satire there that Paul is intending. They're measuring themselves by themselves. How arrogant is that? Oh, we're the best that's out there. And, and, and you know, if, if anybody does, wants to measure up, this is the standard, I'm it, kind of an attitude. We all know people that are like that, don't we? And it is hard to be around them. Let's just be honest. But let's also be honest with ourselves and, and check ourselves if we might be this kind of a person who thinks that we're the standard of measurement. Now, maybe you might never say that, but you, you personally think that or, or you privately think that in your mind. We need to be very careful here because the Bible never paints this kind of an attitude, this kind of arrogance in a good light. Sooner or later, that kind of thinking, that kind of an attitude will bring you into direct conflict with the will of God in your life. And you're going to either be humbled by the Lord or be hardened. I pray for your sake that you'll be humbled. And, and, and you know, sometimes, even no matter what it takes, that you would be humbled so that you don't continue to harden yourself against the Lord and against uh, the things of his word. <clears throat> in verse 7, if you look back in, in, in verse 7 of the same chapter, Paul asks if they were only looking at things from an outward appearance. This can be the problem with humanity. We tend to look at things from the outward appearance, or in other words, skin deep. But listen, God is not like us. God sees through the outward appearances and he sees right to the heart of the matter. He sees down deep where motives and incentives lie. That's where we get the idea that beauty is much more than skin deep. It comes from God. Did you know that? Beauty is not something that is merely external and outward. Beauty is something that is much deeper. It comes from the heart. You know, we're living in a time today when it's very easy to fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to one another. It happens on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> it happens in the gym. It happens at work. It happens at school. It even happens in ministry. Where the pitfall can be when pastors begin to compare themselves to other pastors. And, and, and you can look at that other pastor and you can look at the size of his church. Or you can listen to one of his messages and you can compare yourself. It's very fleshly, but it's very common. It's, very, it's a pitfall, pitfall that is present in every human being's life. It seems to be that this is what was happening in Corinth. These various false apostles were comparing themselves in external ways to Paul. They thought they were superior to Paul because they were better looking, perhaps better dressed, more powerful speakers, more charismatic in their presentation, even uh, in their own minds, more gifted than the Apostle Paul because they were so spiritual the way they spoke in tongues. But Paul simply tells them that this just doesn't add up to wise conduct. In fact, what they're doing is foolish. It's Ignorant even. Speaking of foolishness, last year there was a study 
that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association that was dubbed the selfie effect by facial plastic surgeons. It is estimated that the average millennial will take over 25,000 selfies in their lifetimes. That statistic right there makes me glad that I'm not a No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. You know, it just depends on who you talk to. I could be a millennial, but I could not be. It just depends, you know. If you look at some studies, I fall in there. It's like 1978, you know, to whatever it is, uh, 2000, I think, something like, no, 1993. So I, I, I include myself as a millennial. But, but then there's other studies that, you know, it's, it's 1982 or 1983 uh, on, on forward, you know. And so then I don't include myself in that one, of course. But it's kind of like I get to pick and choose. But in reality, we all know I'm, I'm getting old. I'm 40 for one more day, right? <laughs> 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. Can you imagine? 25,000. And because so many of these selfies are then uploaded and they get posted on Google Photos, for example, Google Photos recorded 25 billion selfies posted in the first year of its existence. I don't know what the number is for uh, last year. But the first year that Google Photos existed, 25 billion selfies. So plastic surgeons have now noticed a trend when it comes to getting plastic surgery. There's a recent poll uh, from 2018 of doctors that perform plastic surgery that found that 55% of patients seeking cosmetic procedures were doing so to improve appearance related to selfie photos for social media. 55% of the people that are coming into their offices. This, of course, prompted Washington University facial plastic surgeon Gregory Branham to say this. He said, selfies tend to distort facial proportions because of the way the camera is held so close to the face. You know? So as it's so close to the face, central features such as the nose appear much larger and distorted. That's good news, right? I, I, I think so. But keep this in mind. When setting a goal for your appearance and don't base it on your selfie image. And they've actually got a full-on study about this of, you know, when you're holding the camera right here, all of the things right in front of the camera are going to tend to look bigger and the things on the sides are going to look smaller. So it's, it's a weird thing. But we shouldn't be surprised that this is happening because we live in a culture today that does revel in self-promotion. Just consider what I told you about selfies, that, that, that phenomenon. Now, I have to admit, I've taken my fair share of selfies, okay? I've taken, I don't know about 25,000, but I've, I've definitely taken a lot. But listen, when I begin to be dissatisfied with how I look, I need to stop and ask myself a question. Who am I living to please? Who am I really living to please? If I'm living to please myself, or if I'm living to please other human beings, then guess what? Nothing will ever be enough. Because even if I get plastic surgery, even if I make changes, those changes won't last. And pretty soon I'll begin to notice that I need other changes. 
Because it doesn't matter how many surgeries I can get or how many selfies I might post. I will never find happiness in myself, in my own appearance. That is because, and we who have a Christian worldview, we know this. The scriptures teach us this. The flesh nature is never satisfied. Our flesh is never going to be satisfied, guys. The only thing that can truly satisfy us is that which we were made for. That is a relationship with Jesus. The love of God that is found in that relationship. It is through God's grace that we are made whole in the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel is what teaches me that true beauty is not about external appearance, but it is rather about what true love and what true goodness is all about. If I'm living or trying to find those things apart from Jesus Christ, I'm never going to be satisfied. So what is the personal application here? Well, listen, a wise person, if we're wise, we're not going to be found comparing ourselves to other people. Nor are we going to compare ourselves to our own selves. But we're going to find that, that it's only through looking to Jesus Christ. It's only through looking at Christ that we find that we are loved, forgiven, saved, secure, completely accepted, and under, able to understand the true meaning of what beauty is. Because beauty can never be detached from goodness and from love, the unconditional love that God has. That's why God is so beautiful. That's why God is so wonderful, is because of his goodness. And, and so beauty is not attached to the externals, it's attached to the inner character, the inner beauty of a person's heart. And guess what? Those that look to Jesus Christ eventually realize that. It's not an external thing. It's found in the image of God that each person is made in. Therefore, every single human being has intrinsic beauty. Why? Because they've been made in the image of God. That's the Christian worldview. That's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. One of the things. Secondly, Paul tells us that a true man of God will not brag about things beyond your area of authority. Okay, Let's read verse 13. Paul says, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. If you underline in your Bible, underline that word appointed. And then he goes on, he says, a sphere which especially includes you, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. Stop there. In other words, Paul is saying a sure sign of a false teacher is going to be someone who frequently brags about things that are beyond their limits to the point that they may even be lying about their credentials. They may be lying about their abilities. They may be lying about their influence, but they don't care. For them, it's all about fame. It's all about influence. It's all about the credentials. And if anyone tries to limit their influence or to question their teachings, you better look out because you'll most likely be verbally attacked. They want to shut you down. 
The false apostles in the Corinthian church had presented themselves to the church. If you remember, they had very impressive letters of recommendation. And in those letters, they claimed that they were better speakers, better scholars, and more powerful ministers than Paul was. But Paul says, you know what? I'm going to refuse to brag and to boast about those things that are beyond my measure. That's out of my control. That's beyond my area of authority. Paul had made up his mind that he wouldn't say anything about his life or his ministry that was not true. He didn't exaggerate. He didn't modify his teaching in order to impress people. Paul simply stuck to the gospel. He pointed people to Jesus, period. He wasn't trying to build his own kingdom. He was trying to build Jesus Christ's kingdom. Paul was content, you see, to minister within the limits that God had placed on him as a man. He was able to recognize those limits. And he was able to say, I'm not going to boast beyond the limits that God has placed upon me. You know, that's a great lesson to learn if you're a believer here tonight. Is just to realize that you can't do it all. (laughs) Just to realize that you have limitations as a human being. And in fact, you may need to face the facts about your life. You may, need to do, you may need to do some examination. You may need to accept some things about your limitations. Sometimes I run into believers who don't want to admit that they have limitations. I've talked to believers that are sick, really sick, and yet they, they don't want to admit that. Because they think that in, in, in admitting that somehow they're going to manifest a lack of faith. Guys, that's just foolish. That's just foolishness. Paul was, had a sickness. Paul had weaknesses. And, and Paul relied on God's grace to be sufficient for him through those things. Paul recognized he was not the Messiah. He was not Jesus Christ. He was a man with physical limitations and weaknesses. And, and, and you know what? That, that brings up another area where a lot of Christians fail to note their limitations. That's in the area of, 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 of sinfulness. Where, where Christians have genuine areas of weakness, where they could be tempted to fall and, and to be drawn away from God's will in their lives. And yet they'll, they'll say, no, that's not a problem for me. I don't struggle with that. I don't struggle with that substance or that thing or that video game or or whatever it might be. Social media is not a problem for me. Yeah, I get my my reports and it does seem like I'm spending a lot of time on it, but but, but I've got it under control. No, guys, those that walk like that, that's, that's an arrogance and a pride that leads to falling off the cliff. It leads eventually to going down. It leads eventually to a great fall. Proverbs talks about that, doesn't it? Those that are haughty, those that are lifted up. Hey, there's a fall coming. There's a reckoning coming. So be careful. Don't be that person that's heard boasting or bragging about yourself, even if it's disguised in a false humility. We can get good at being, having a false humility as well, can't we? Oh, oh, I, I would never do that. Or, you know, oh, that's, that's, that's not me. 
However, the man or the woman, guys, that is wise, you'll learn to be content within the limits that God has placed you. You know, we just have to accept it. Just have to realize, okay, Lord, this is where you've placed me. This is, what, this is how I am. <laughs> this is who I am. And Lord, I, I, I want to get better, but I also want to be content to minister within the limits you've placed in my life. I'm not going to be a braggart, boastful, proud, and arrogant. Next, Paul says that a true man of God doesn't take credit for the work that others have done. Verse 15 and 16. Let's read it. It says, Not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. Paul makes it clear here in these verses that he, that he stands in stark contrast to these false apostles. Rather than taking credit for things he hasn't done, which is what they were doing, Paul looks for fruit within the church that he planted. You see, Paul's heart for that church, Paul's heart in ministry is for Christians to grow, to mature in their faith, and then reach out beyond themselves to others within the limits that God has placed them in to reach them with the good news of Christ. You know, I want to explain, if I haven't already, I want to cast the vision for our church. That's the vision for Calvary Chapel Paris as well. We desire that men and women here would be raised up into mature Christians who are grounded in the Word of God and pursuing godly character in their lives. We're not looking for perfect Christians. We know that they don't exist. We're looking for Christians that are committed, grounded in the Word and committed to pursue Jesus. And then we know that naturally, as a result of that, God is going to send us. He's going to begin to send us out. Whether it's into the community, the job place, the family environment, or to another community. As he's done with Drew and Tandy. The little family. Or others. Guys, we don't know all that God has in store, but we know this. We're striving towards the goal that God has given to us. And that goal is to see a church that is mature in Christ, grounded in the Scriptures, biblically literate, and then able to reach out because of the godly character that we have, the godly character that God has built in us. That's what Paul sought in the ministry there at Corinth. Fourthly, Paul says that if you're going to boast, boast of what God has done. In verse 17, look what he says. He says, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Paul says, listen, if you're going to boast about things, why not boast about your relationship with Jesus Christ? That would be awesome. That would be a great thing to be boasting about, bragging about. Oh, man, you know how good Jesus is? I just can't get enough of Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, his grace, life-changing. Amazing. Wonderful. You know what Jesus spoke to me this morning? <laughs> you know, and, and, and people should kind of get the idea, wow, this guy's life, it's kind of centered around Jesus. <laughs> he talks about Jesus a lot. He talks about what the Lord has done. And, and, and I know, guys, that we have to be careful. You know, if you're at work, you got to be careful about this. Your boss isn't paying you to sit around and talk about Jesus, Okay. 
No, you don't get to use your Christianity as an excuse, okay? But, 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 the word says we're supposed to, you know, be involved in the Great Commission. Yeah, but don't be obnoxious about it, okay? Don't, don't be that Christian that gives Christianity a bad name because you're being a bad witness by not working hard for your employer. The Bible has plenty to say about how that is how you witness through the workplace. Yeah, you'll get opportunities to share because they're going to look at your life and go, wow, that guy's different or that gal is different. But listen, we're not to be the, the, the ones that are there, you know, obnoxiously making it all about Jesus all the time in the sense that it's just, it, it just turning people off to the gospel. We need to be wise about the way that we live in the world as we fulfill the Great Commission. But Paul here is, is referring to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. And I'd like for you to turn there real quickly tonight in your Bibles. It's a great passage of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. And Paul actually refers to this Scripture several times in his letters to the Corinthians. And I, I really think it's because he, he knew that they struggled with pride. And he's trying to get them to learn how to boast. If they're going to be prideful, here's what they need to be prideful in. And so Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. So Paul is trying to get the Corinthians to realize that, hey, they're not to be boasting about supposed advantages that they might have intellectually with wisdom or uh, in physically with their might, their power, or rich in, in materially in the riches that they have. They're not to be boasting about those supposed advantages. They're not to be looking to those things. Rather, they're to be boasting about the privilege that they have of knowing the Lord. There is such a thing, guys, as a legitimate pride in what God's grace has done in our lives, in and through our lives. But really, the reason for boasting is simply that we know the Lord. That's what it all boils down to. It all boils down to the fact that we have a relationship with the Lord and His grace is so good and His mercy overwhelms us and He's changed our lives. He's given us second and third and fourth chances. And you know what? He loves us. And we're secure in that love. And so that's what we're going to boast about is that relationship with Him. That's what a person that's marked by humility will always point to. A humble man or a humble woman of God who knows they don't deserve God's grace and they relish every opportunity to point to him to show how good he is. I just want to tell you guys, if, if you are a single young man or woman here tonight, this is, these are the characteristics you're looking for in a future spouse. You're looking for a man or a woman that's not ashamed of their relationship with Christ. Someone that's not ashamed to point to how good he is and how good he has been in their lives. 
You're not looking for a young man that's all about himself and you know, boasting about his supposed advantages in life. You don't want somebody that's boasting about uh, uh, fleshly things. You want somebody that is serious about their walk with the Lord. You know, Corey ten Boom, the famous Nazi Holocaust survivor, was once asked if it was difficult for her to remain humble. Remember, she, had, she and her family um, had, had saved hundreds of Jews during the Holocaust. And she spoke in, in many places around the United States and, and had the opportunity to really affect a lot of people's lives with her story, her relationship with the Lord. And she was asked, is it difficult for you to remain humble? And her reply was simple and brilliant. She said, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments on the road, singing praises. Do you think for one minute it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of that was for him? She said, if I could be that donkey, which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I'll give him all the praise and all the honor. That's a great answer. That's a great answer, guys. And that's where we need to be. We need to be in that place where we say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just the donkey. And, and if I can bring Christ to people, if I can bring Christ into other people's lives, all praise and honor and glory goes to him, not to me. That brings us to Paul's last word to the Corinthian believers who were learning to walk in humility. And he says, don't commend yourself, rather let the Lord commend you in verse 18. We'll read that together. It says, For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Guys, somebody that is interested in promoting themselves has the opposite attitude of godliness. Let me say that again. If you are a person or you're around a person that is into promoting themselves. It's about promoting themselves, their life, everything about them. That's the opposite of godliness. That's heavy. Because that trickles down into every area of our lives today as well. As Christians, we need to be aware. We need to be cognizant of how we're using social media. We need to be aware of how we are uh, acting in the workplace. Are, are, we, are we coming in with you know, the attitude that, man, I'm going to promote myself no matter what it takes to get to the top? Or are we coming in with this attitude that, you know what? <laughs> I am going to work as unto the Lord. Everything that I do is going to be for Him. And, and, and if the Lord wants me to be promoted... He'll take care of that. See, so often we see the opposite of that, and especially in the world, that's what the world values. But listen, the man, the woman of God, is not going to be in a place where they're constantly commending themselves. Rather, you're going to allow the Lord to be your stamp of approval. You're going to allow the Lord. You're going to be living for His pleasure and His approval. And you know what? The beautiful thing about that is, you have it in Christ. In Jesus Christ, you have the Lord's acceptance. You have his approval. You have a secure position in his love. 
His agape, His unconditional love that never changes towards you, towards me. And it's a wonderful thing. Now listen, there might be times when you fall off the path of grace, but, but the Lord is not down on that. He's not down on you when that happens. Remember what we talked about? It's, it's, it's Christ who took your punishment. It's Christ who took your place on the cross. And so in Christ, you're, you're, you're accepted. In Christ, the gospel message is that God loves you. That your sins have been forgiven. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so, instead of commending yourself to everybody else, you could say, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm living for you and I'm basking in this amazing relationship that you've provided for me. And guys, that is where we're to be. That's a godly heart. That's a humble attitude. And that's where Paul was. That's where Paul was at. I want to encourage you guys that you would examine your hearts and examine your lives to make sure that you're not uh, falling into the trap uh, that is so prevalent in today's culture where where just like these false teachers, we can rely on the means of the flesh to promote ourselves and to promote our ambitions. When, when we can really, we really just need to rest. We need to get to that place where we're content with the limits that God has placed in our lives. Hey, it doesn't mean that we, you know, that God can't change those limits. But we need to be in prayer. We need to be seeking Him. And we need to be living a life that says, you know what? I'm learning to walk in humility. I'm putting Christ first, not myself. Let's pray.